Hey everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Chelsvik. I'm your host, Matt Drury, and we got special guest, Jared Lurk, in with us. He has been with Drury Outdoors basically since the beginning. I could go back to Sound of the Spring, I think. King and of the, yeah, Sound. Not sound of the Spring, sound. and there's Jared and myself and Cousin Justin and Waylon and even Joe Bosler. Yes. I mean, we were little kids, and they were teaching us how to turkey call. Would that have been 90? Yeah, I think 89 or 90, spring of 89 or 90 probably. Because King was the first one, and then we were on sound, so – yeah. yeah, and J- Jared's the only one of all of us that actually took – well, Jared and Waylon were the only ones that actually took those tips and became good callers. Nice. <laughs> the rest so of us – listened. Yeah, yes. The rest right. of us just relied on Mark and Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do the calling. You're kind of like a child star. Only, only one w- that grew up and was successful. <laughs> I maybe I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly say child star, but it, those were the early days, and we sure remember it. And the the uh, the cool thing what 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 you guys did with Deercast is if you want to go watch Sound of the Spring, yeah, it's you there. can. That's, That's right. Awesome. <laughs> Just go over to DLD TV and check it out. I was eleven, and you would have been nine, probably. Wow. Right? Yeah, eight or nine. It Kids. does not seem like thirty years ago. You guys must be old. We are. Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah, so we, you know, we had a, we've seen a lot of each other lately because we had a, a wedding to celebrate this right. past uh, here recently. So, little Miss Land. Yeah, Taylor. Mrs. Land. Yeah, that's right. Taylor <laughs> and Austin uh, finally got hitched. And when the juries get together to celebrate a wedding, we do it in epic style. And we did it in epic style. <laughs> it was a fun evening. And uh, congratulations to Taylor and Austin. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Great wedding. I, I was kind of surprised to see the juries on Monday morning. Well, I didn't want to be here. <laughs> so somebody's got to be. You soldiered up and you made it. You wouldn't have wanted to see us Sunday morning. No. I can't imagine. Well, yeah. What a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a good time, though. We, we like to have a good time. And we we're such a close-knit family that when we get together like that, it was something that we've all looked forward to for long time. You know, mm-hmm. for whatever, a year or however long since they got engaged. And we don't need many excuses to have a good time together, but we use it as like the calendar, like yardage markers. It's like, all right, sure. now the next thing a lot of us are going to, we're going to go uh, on a cruise to Alaska, many of us oh, are, uh, to celebrate Mark and Tracy's wedding anniversary and and Mark and, or, and mom and dad's. Okay. So that's the summer. That's the next yardage marker. Unreal. That would be awesome. It, it, it's a cool trip. We've gotten oh, to go a couple times with, with the family and grandma and grandpa. And it's one of those deals where if you're you know, a wildlife enthusiast, a, a hunter, yeah. like it, it, it's not like you're out there in kind of into like the, I don't know how to say that, in the woods in the or bush, anything like yeah. that in the bush. But you see some unbelievable. What I would say imagery. is you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. you're in no man's land. Only places that essentially people on a cruise ship and God have seen. Uh, when you're on an Alaskan cruise, and it's it's pretty cool. And I, I relate that to some of the places we've been in Alberta or Manitoba. Or shoot, 12 years ago, I went on a caribou hunt in the uh, Northwest Territories, and we were at the, basically the Arctic Circle or the That's North so Pole. Cool. So I, I equate that Alaska trip to those remote 100%. areas that I've been. It's, when we went on it, it was like – it was my first well, – because the first time we went on it was probably – 2006. Was it six? Okay. Th- 2011. So it, it, it was the first time I really experienced being out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And even though you're on this gigantic cruise ship with all the technology in the world, you are in the off middle the of grid. nowhere. You're off you're the off grid. You're off the grid. And so it was the first time I really got to experience what it was like not having 
airplanes flying over and dogs barking and <laughs> cars eerie. honking and it is a crazy it is a really crazy mm-hmm. uh experience i've been hooked on the mountain man show on uh the history channel here for the past like, seen three it. weeks it's i, I want to live that life is it reality <laughs> or is it it's probably production. about as reality as as television can get <laughs> you know they're i'm sure they set up some of the scenarios gotcha but these guys are mostly trappers they're living in alaska in the bush mm-hmm. or just What's outside the again mountain men huh Okay. It's, uh, Check it out. You're a mountain man, Tim. I, yeah, I that lives in High Ridge, Missouri. <laughs> I'm a little bit displaced. At High Ridge, yeah, it's yeah, as good it's of a mountain of, as we're gonna get here know, in Missouri. <laughs> one, one of the things I'm really excited about right now is daylight savings time. I'm not. You're that, weird. Because oh, you have, have evenings. Yeah, yeah. You can go home. Like you go home, it's still light out. You can get some stuff done. But you outside. got young kids too, and so do you. Yeah, so yeah. daylight savings time is a crock <laughs> for kids. It screws schedules. everybody up. That's for sure. Yeah, we're three days into it, two days into it, two like school days into it, and it's it's terrible. You wouldn't think an hour would affect little children that much, but oh, it does. You totally. couple that with staying out to about four thirty a.m. on Saturday That's night. Right, right. <laughs> That's really bad. I still haven't caught. Still in the punk. <laughs> so well, the other thing I'm excited about, and this is a tease for later on in this show, we have our first installment of Wildlife Words. Looking forward to it. All right, so what is this? Is this like a Trump thing? Is this something you're just creating out of thin thin air and it's a word that you just made up? <laughs> maybe it's, maybe we'll work something. Bigly. In like, is yeah. this bigly? <laughs> I like that one. So these are these are <laughs> primarily scientific or wild or wildlife kind of biological terms and terminology to help us describe, understand the wildlife that we hunt and that we mm-hmm. pursue. Sometimes they're going to be meteorological, but they're all kind of based giving you more tools to understand natural systems and uh, and animals and wildlife. I bet I don't know hardly any of these words that you come up maybe, with. Maybe we'll, we'll see. That Maybe that's part of the, the whole thing. Like every time it's uh, – <laughs> you give me a description and then you put out like three or four words and i got to pick which one it goes with or something. Or you come up with a definition for the word. Oh, okay, even better. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I like that game. Make I like that, up I like that game. Rand always said when we first started dating, she always thought that I knew a lot. And then as we got dating a little further into it, she's like, you're just full of crap. <laughs> and you yep. make it up when you don't know it. Yes. Yeah, so there's a thing I would say. You have to dazzle people with brilliance and baffle them with a bull, and they shouldn't be able to tell the difference yeah. between the two. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my wife realized how many of my <laughs> jokes were – just quotes from The Simpsons. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's like, good. We, we, we watch in a Simpsons show. She's like, wait, you've said that before. And they she's got on, it. She's on to you now. Yeah. Yeah. She's got yeah. you figured the out. The shine has worn off. Yeah. That's right. That's what it is. So, you know, Jared's uh, coming in. We're going over a couple questions of the day. We're going to try to do a couple different podcasts. But you kind of have some news lately. You're working on a new piece of mm-hmm. property. Take us through a little bit of that. So as a... My, my love and affection started before the sound of the spring of the outdoors. I don't know why. I've just been in love with it ever since. And what I will say is if you can align your passion with something you do and grow and cultivate that over the years, you'll be successful in life. So while I don't make a living per se in the outdoor industry, I have always loved taking a blank piece of property and setting it up to be a premier whitetail uh, property, if you will. Yep. It's like that's my art, if you will. Like I honestly don't like shooting them as much as I like getting them in front of me to be able to shoot them. Like that's Mm. my goal. That's what I want to do. So I took a blank canvas or taking it and it's totally out of my element. Maybe you could come up to the lease and show me how to (laughs) 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 because I'm failing. (laughs) 
Potentially, we can talk about it. Like, the, there's one can thing. Like, someone will damn. go. Yeah, someone will say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> someone will give you an aerial and say, uh, "Tell me what you think." And you can get if you've been doing this long enough. Like uh, Mark or myself or your dad, you can look at it and give them about. 80% of what they need, but you don't really know until you're on it. You see the trails, the yep. traffic, and honestly, you can't really figure out a new property until you've been on it a couple of years and mm-hmm. see the deer and, and pattern them, if you will, as much as you can pattern a yeah. whitetail. So I got a new project, new property, and I'm pretty fired up about you it. You know, what's interesting about that even, so for instance, like the lease, you know, whatever the farmer's doing with the crop rotation yep. changes. Sure. We, it Absolutely. took us four years to figure that out just with regular crop rotation we thought we'd have them figured out one year and it and then the crop rotation switch and so then we see a, a different strategy so we go with that strategy for the next year and on that switch they were back to the original it's just been you know that's stuff you just don't know until you're in it and living it and figuring it out it, yes and you didn't ask this but I, I like saying it often like um jim Tomey can hit a baseball farther than almost anybody that's ever walked this planet and that is a God-given talent that also required more amount of time, energy, and effort than anyone ever imagined. Jim told me 22 years into it, he was always the first person at the ballpark and the last person to leave, yeah. always. And you don't see all that on TV. You just think, Jim Tomey can hit a baseball farther than anybody else. And what you're describing and what people don't realize is how hard killing big whitetails actually is, mature yeah. whitetails. Like it is, there's no such thing as an easy deer. It's uh, an accumulation of me now 30 years, I guess, in the whitetail world. And they're still at times a step ahead of us. Yeah, well, they're always they always are. I mean, that's how yeah. they get a lot of times how they get to an old age of whatever it might be six years, five years, six years, seven years old. It's because we're not very good at killing them a lot of times. Mark yeah, always says, "It you know they're better at being deer than we are at being deer hunters." Yeah, Mark and, and Dad they've done it so long, you know it, that <clears throat> we're seeing them. What we see and have the the kind of it's fun to watch is it feels like it's easy to them now yeah but because of (laughs) it wasn't always like that yeah it's because of putting so much time in and so much time money effort you know blood sweat tears the all those cliche statements they actually are cliche for a reason they're real Mm -hmm. (laughs) they've done it they put in the effort you know what is it they say it takes ten thousand hours of doing any one thing before you become an expert expert at it and mark and terry probably got about a hundred thousand at this point. Collectively, I mean, it's, it's a it's lot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So it just, to your point, it, it's, they're good at it, but they've worked hard to become good at it. What did Terry say at the hall of fame speech a couple of years ago? We left for a whitetail hunt 28 years ago and we haven't been home since. Yes. Yeah, never came yeah, back. Right. <laughs> Which is also part of the magic, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you never arrive. Yes, well, but then he it, meant he never came back home. He never came back home. <laughs> we right. didn't see him right. growing up. Well, that's, that's true. And Mark was the same. True. I mean, you know, it just, you just it was how it was how they grew up their dad ralph our grandpa was never home he was working construction Mm -hmm. and that's how they grew up everything they ever knew and that's you know today it's not as acceptable as it was then you parents dads are expected to be more the load oh you're you're you know it's it's not just mom does the day-to-day you know whatever around the house or taking them to this (laughs) practice or that practice dads are much more involved you just can't be gone like our parents were right and and I don't fault them for it. They were making a living and creating the lifestyle that we we it was a different economy and different yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's just different times. I don't think my dad did one load of laundry ever. Oh, growing up, no, I never saw that, that until he started doing his hunting. <laughs> yeah, then he does. Yeah, camouflage. That's a different story. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of hard work, uh, one of our dear casters contacted us with a question. Cool. So that leads us into our question of the day. All right. The question of the day is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. My name is Dave Anderson from Germantown Hills, Illinois. I have a question about uh, hunting over brassicas. I have planted um, a small food plot, about a quarter acre of brassica on a 75 acre uh, plot of ground. Um, I had little, if any, interest in the uh, brassicas. Uh, so this last year, I planted a whole acre and I did all the uh, soil testing prior and put on the appropriate um, fertilizers and had a really nice field. It was uh, sugar bulbs and winter beets and deer radishes. And I um, had little or no activity. So I feel like I am uh, don't have anything that's really attracting the deer during uh, the times that they go to green. So I was wondering, um, is there something else I need to be doing or is there a, a different green that you might recommend? I feel his pain. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I feel his pain because we had a plot. It's like my killing plot on the lease and looked better than ever before this year. And we, we fertilized it and lined mm -hmm. it. And we hadn't really done that in the past. I mean, everything we thought we did everything right. We hit the rain timely and they didn't touch it. Just wouldn't touch it. And Mark thought that potentially maybe it actually grew past palatability. Grew, grew past mm -hmm. palatability. Yep, uh, that's so. that's the that's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. When your plot looks good to you, it's past where they want to eat. Yeah, it. like like if it looks like this table, yeah. and barren ground, you you hit the nail on the head. The year before, yeah. that's what I had. Yeah, like <laughs> there was something that happened in whatever they were eating natural browse and the way the weather lined up, and it missed the palatability stage. And honestly, we got too much rain. Yeah. I think. And when your plot looks beautiful. I hate to say it, that's a bad sign. Like when you go look at a clover plot and it looks lush and green, it, 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 it provided it's really, really big. But if it looks lush and green, um, it's probably a little too long. That's the thing. I don't know why, but I see it with my daughter Eloise is into horses. They will walk through the prettiest looking stuff and get to the get to the crap that the last horse just the last horse just ate mm -hmm. because it's this big and i don't know why but they love it when it's actively growing i don't know what the reason being it has to be something to do with the nutrients or the taste or what have you the sugars haven't fully formed i don't know what it is but like the younger the plant the better it is for a whitetail so maybe there's a timing factor totally timing planting the, the other thing i was going to think of the, in the whitetail world it's always multifactorial in my opinion the thing i would want to know is are they there at night uh did ehd come through how's your predation what i what i have noticed in Illinois, most of the folks I know in Illinois, they have a bad coyote problem. And a bad coyote problem or predation problem will impact a lot of things that you're not aware of. Like if you got way too many coyotes, you can grow the prettiest food you want. And they're not going to eat it a lot because they're super stressed 24 hours a day. And they're just not going to spend the time, energy, and effort to sit there and eat like a horse would. So they're going to take bites of it. And then you have problems like growing past palatability and all those, all yeah. those other things that he may or may not be describing, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So one of the other things you might try is planting like a non-typical clover or something. And that's hard to beat, you know, that clover. <laughs> you mentioned clover there. Yes. That's hard to beat in general. And, and <clears throat> you always hear about guys planting brassicas, but mm -hmm. 
Clover is probably overlooked in a lot of ways. It, it is. I, I was actually going to say, which I think we may get to Clover a little later in the segment, or we might talk about it on a different podcast. Sure. But, like, what he described is my go-to fall food plot. Sugar beets and winter bulbs with barascas, and then I put radishes in there. Like, mm-hmm. if you can have a smorgasbord for a whitetail, I think the better off you are. It's kind of like Ponderosa wouldn't be as much fun as all they had was uh, chicken wings. They have everything there or a casino buffet. If there's everything there, there's something to choose from. Whitetails aren't that indifferent. Whitetails aren't that different from us. So radishes, sugar beets and winter bulbs, and biologic maximum. And then the prescription, I'm a pharmacist, so the prescription for that is. Pharmacist? Yeah. You didn't know that? Huh. Anyway, the prescription for that as a whitetail hunter Tim's is a smart ass. I, I see that. Messing with you. The uh, the uh, <laughs> you knew that you idiot. right. The short term, medium term, and long term. I th- like to think of things as you sit on the fifty yard line of a football field. Put your blind, stand, whatever. Fifty yard lines. Fifty yards in front of you. Fifty yards to your left. Fifty yards to your right. That's your food plot. In bow range, within twenty yards, should be radishes. Then sugar beets and winter bulbs. And then if you want to mix it up, then brassicas. But the sugar beets and winter bulbs have – that's what the winter bulbs is. It's brassica. But anyway, sugar beets and winter bulbs for after a couple frosts, the radishes before. And what that does, if you have a season like Missouri, they'll hit the radishes early. And then they – if the plot's not too big or they hit them when it's still palatable to them, they'll eat them all. And then they'll transition to sugar beets and winter bulbs or brassicas. And you can hunt those literally all the way through snow covering them up. And, I, and that football field, in my opinion, is a big enough food plot that if he, if, if he steps in right here, he's kind of 70 yards from you, but they're not going to eat in the corner unless you're under high predation. A big whitetail, normal will come to the middle. So he's in bow range if he's in the sugar beets and water bulbs, and he's definitely in bow range uh, with the radishes. And the reason I, I do a football field, that, that strategy has evolved over the last six or seven years. Mark is the one that told me, Give them room to roam. Whitetails do not like to be – big whitetails do not mm-hmm. like to be in confined fa- uh, sure. spaces. Because I used to think plant the food plot 30 yards from you. Mm-hmm. That way if they're in it, they're in bow range. And it's actually the opposite of that. Plant it big enough that it gives them room to roam. And then by and large, the big ones come to the middle anyway, which sure. then puts them in bow range. And if you put something like a tree koi or, you know, cut yeah. down a oh, yeah. tree sure. and put it right in the middle, <clears throat> every time they just can't help themselves, it seems I, like. Yes, I noticed a strategy too. Greg Glessinger and Casey – utilize this year is a tree koi and a rub post right mm. next to each other or or different reason different distances apart so whether they want to hit the tree koi or not or the mm. scrape post it gives them a reason to come to the two i didn't seen that strategy before but it, for greg anyway it seemed like it worked this year yeah hard to argue yeah you know, results speak for themselves you know as i think about dave's situation he's in like he's in the peoria illinois area where the right. soil i mean there's you don't it, need a soil test yeah, i hate to say it in illinois it, it could be the best soil in the entire world up there it might be part of the problem as to what he was talking about he made his Mm -hmm. plot bigger and it goes all the way back to the palatability piece we got so many timely rains it actually rained too much and they grew too fast and then i don't know what it is we'd have to ask somebody at biologic but there's a period until after three or four frosts they just won't eat the stuff sure it happened to me too this year and, so and they've got corn and soybeans like you would. Oh believe yeah, well, in that. yeah. Dad uh, swears ones. by it in Illinois. You know they, he's hunted there a long time, and and we've never had a lot of luck with food plots in Illinois for whatever reason. Like they they're accustomed to corn and beans, corn and beans mm-hmm. so much. Deer, that deer are picky. They it, just are. They're it's hard picky. to it's hard to be. And you like you said you like to have a smorgasbord of of stuff, and then you hit different seasons of the you right. know of the fall and. Or different parts of the fall, and uh, really, what we just keep seeing is if you just maybe 
buy back from the farmer <laughs> some you know a couple acres of the strategy. corn or a couple acres of the beans a lot of times you you covered yourself over yep. there in Illinois. It's weird yep. how it seems to work like that almost anywhere in that state. Yep. Yeah, they, there's an abundance of food. So his soil is probably too good. And then he fertilized it thinking mm-hmm. we're doing a favor. So how do you fix that? Well, I mean, I hate to say it. You'd almost, to prevent it in the future, you'd almost, it's like reworking. Plant part of your food plot, let it rain, then plant another part of your food plot, let it rain, then plant another part of your food plot. And then you've got three different growing sure. or germination mm-hmm. periods to see what happens. So a weekend warrior may not be able to do that but if you live on the farm it might be a prescription to prevent this in the future if we have these timely rains because i'll say this i feel like we're in a wet weather pattern like at some point the rain's going to stop i don't know when that is (laughs) but i'll bet it doesn't stop for a while like we're we're getting in the midwest a lot of water yeah a lot of precipitation it seems like it's usually the way it goes is it stops right right after you right before you plant well uh, sure (laughs) about august 1st yeah plan to plant the fourth and then it doesn't rain again well, hopefully we covered Dave's uh, Dave's question. It's a great question. Tough one, Dave. Um, yeah. But it, it might be the food grew too well. It seems weird to say it grew past palatability, but it, they do. It, yeah, I mean, it was I've seen it with beans, too. Like, you think it's not just biologics product. Like, I've, for whatever reason, seen them not eat loads and loads of bean fields. Now, the, the question I would have is, after the winter we've had, what does biologic food plot looks like now? Did they hit it after the season? My, bet, my bet is... Yeah. There's a period where they're like, okay, it doesn't taste the greatest, but I'm starving. I'll bet, I'll bet it's not there now. Yeah, that happened to me a couple of years ago where they wouldn't. It was the first time we planted a plot in, in this specific area, and they, I just don't think they were used to what it was, and they didn't mm-hmm. eat it. And then come, literally, it was like come February. Shed season, it's not there anymore. Like, what yeah, happened to my biologic? Yeah, they, they figured it out. They mauled it, but sure. it took them all season. And we had some crops in that were in late that year that, mm-hmm. you know, they had other, they had other options. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Are you guys ready for wildlife words? Let's. I, can't, I, <laughs> I <can't> guess. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Matt. So the word is crepuscular. <laughs> well, okay. try, try to put it into a category. Hopefully, what? on the camera, they could see Matt's eyes cross. Because <laughs> they did. Crep- they crossed no, our minute. Crepuscular. <laughs> it sounds. Could you use it in a sentence, please? Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. yeah, use it in a sentence. Sure. Today's wildlife word is. Crepuscular. <laughs> Dick. It's a great <laughs> Okay, I'd say crepuscular. I can't even say it. <laughs> crepuscular sounds like something that Jared's probably come across. It sounds uh, like a, no, it's a new a word for me. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sounds Jared gross. Jared can't play because he kind of was cheating and looked on looked. the the sheet before the show. That's how he became a pharmacist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking on. Right. No, so I'd say uh, crepuscular has to do with something very gross. Mm-hmm. Am I am I warm? Nope. Nope. Okay. Crepuscular has to do with something <laughs> very. Uh, it's it's sound. It, you gotta give it, me something yeah. to go okay, off of. This so, thing's out of left field, so man. So it is. It's an odd sounding word, but it's similar to <laughs> like nocturnal or diurnal in the sense that it describes when an animal is most active. So crepuscular refers to organisms that are most active during. Dusk and dawn. I would have never got it. Which <laughs> sounds like a fungus growing out of a right. wound of a deer that someone hit and didn't get. <laughs> and it grew a crepuscular on its back or something. So animals like rabbits, yep. whitetails, uh, bears, skunks. Fox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, coyotes. Yeah. Uh, actually, coyotes may be a little more nocturnal than crepuscular, but uh, but yeah, you can now impress your friends and. So um, whitetails are less nocturnal than they are crepuscular. Is that yes, what you're saying? that's right. I just say they're nocturnal. Yeah. But anyway, I, I like your. It sucks when they go completely nocturnal because then it's like. Yeah. Just hard to hunt them, or they go completely corpuscular. Yeah, well, the, but that's their uh, that's their thing. That's what they're designed for. Like when the sun goes down, um, and the moon's starting to come up, and it's dark, whitetails can see. Yeah, and and, and we know that and we're we not can't. crepuscular organisms right. because that's when we're squinting and like you can't tell if that's a stump or if that's a buck or what that is out there. So not that this is part of your. I'm gonna say it's words with friends. Um, that's what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> wildlife words. Yeah, wildlife words. Um, that's why if you shine your light on a whitetail, the eye glows versus if I shine my lights at you at nighttime, yours don't because they can see during and makes them this corpuscular. Hmm. I think my eyes would glow. They Let's try it. Not like a whitetail. Shut the lights off. I'm going to shine so. a flashlight in your face <laughs> next time I get Never had anyone say that more intimidatingly yeah. to me. <laughs> Boy, what you been doing? Where, where, where um. are you at Tuesday? <laughs> so that's, what, that's Wildlife Words. We'll see how it goes. Let us know Can't if, wait. If, if, you, if you like the segment. If not, I mean, we've, we've only got if like... If I get a vote, I like it. Okay. It seems like it's going to be something that's an opportunity to continue to try to embarrass me for my lack of knowledge. <laughs> I like a double now. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll come up with a different format. Or maybe you can ask me after I've read this shit. Wait. Yeah. Now, there's All an the idea. That you came up with to give me to ask you on the podcast. So, uh, one, of our, Sounds great. one of our DeerCast contributors actually took this project on because it's kind of a bit of work to go through and find because I, I asked I, I was like I want a word for every week and the definition all right and how it relates to what was this guy's name Ryan Milosheski okay Ryan email me, <laughs> send, me the, send me the list give him some ammo yeah I need the uh, cheat sheet <laughs> cool well why don't we shut this episode down and then we'll uh we'll do another show and visit let's do it Jared some more Perfect. Okay. Well, uh, uh, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Uh, Dave, we're going to send you out a ball cap for sending in the question. If you'd like to have a question answered on the show, uh, go over to com slash podcast and click the send voicemail tab and leave us a quick about a minute or so question with your name, location, and what you would like answered on the show. And we'll do our best to get that answered. As always, you can uh, watch the podcast over on the Dre Outdoors YouTube channel or in DeerCast in the DOD TV section and while you're there we got all kinds of cool stuff going on we just launched a couple new series we launched a new AVNX turkey tour series we just launched a new series called top 10 I believe yeah, yeah and top our first 10. video is the top 10 uh, best interrupted hunts yeah on 13 so uh, that that's, that's a, pretty good of all, we got a bunch of new stuff that yeah. the guys here at the studio cooked up that's one that I'm kind of most excited about because it's it could be the top 10 bucks ever killed in Drew Outdoors history mm-hmm. it could be the top 10 fails it could be the top 10 funniest moments whatever it might be I've got one the top 10 oldest whitetails there you go. You well, you're gonna. I would have in. a couple in there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> like the top four. <laughs> That's what I thought. About. And then you can see the Matt. hunter. And he's let's right. see the top ten crappy seasons. <laughs> hey, <it's all> <laughs> hey, Matt. <laughs> top <laughs> ten. You win. Well, I bet Terry would have a few in there that would compete. <laughs> so. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. Th- thanks for thanks for sitting in. We appreciate it. And As 
last thing, don't That's forget, we're doing a farm giveaway this year on uh, DeerCast. So go download the app if you don't already have it. It's free, the DeerCast app. If you do have it, make sure you're on the most up-to-date version. And you can win a farm. And not only that, you can win monthly prizes by just entering in one time. You can win up to $33,000 worth of monthly prizes. Yeah, and, and it's timely. I mean, this month we're giving away a full lineup of biologic yep. seeds and yep. and spreaders and That's soil test kits. All kinds and of stuff. So if you want to upgrade your property. Coming up here, we're giving away an implement from RTP Outdoors. Ooh. It's like an $8,000 implement. So... And no, you can't win. <laughs> but people are winning these things. That's yeah, like, yeah, like that's when right. you hear about a, 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 sweet, a sweepstakes this big, you just don't think that you have a chance of winning. So, and actually, there's a really your odds are really good right now. I mean, because the, the, we're still getting the word out there on the giveaway. So, uh, the earlier the better, frankly, for your odds. Yep. So, and don't try, don't try submitting registrations multiple times. Just one time is enough. Yeah. <laughs> we got people that are doing it like trying to do it three and four times it's the system is kicking them out because it won't allow for it but yeah be good obey the rules that's right speaking of obeying the rules why don't we shut this thing down let's do it all right thanks for watching everyone thank you i want to know whose rule that was peace